If you have your uh, Bible, please open it to Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 through 26. Jeremiah chapter 9, verses 23 through 26. Things are going to be different in 2015. I mean it this time. I'm going to keep my resolution. I mean it. Many promises are going to be made on the 1st of January. And many of those promises are going to be broken by the second week of January. Every year, every new year brings new resolutions. And many of these resolutions are meant to better a person's life. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to read the Bible more. I'm going to be nicer to my coworkers or nicer to my family. But for a believer, and even a non-believer, there's only one resolution that gives true meaning and purpose to your life. Only one. That is to know Jesus, that is to enjoy Jesus, and that is to glorify Jesus. They, these are not three resolutions. They are just one resolution with three expressions. It's a resolution for a lifetime. Not one that changes from year to year. For in 2015, Jesus will remain the theme of your life. He will remain the theme of your life. The center of all that you have, the means of all that you will get, all flow from him alone. It does. As Colossians tell us, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. But do you believe it? But do you believe these words? Will you believe these words? On January the 1st, don't, don't make another resolution. Make a resolution for a lifetime. That is to see Jesus anew in the coming year in your life. That means to know him more, to enjoy him more, to glorify, to glorify him more. Today we're going to look at knowing him from Jeremiah 9, beginning in verse 23. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will punish all those who are circumcised manly in the flesh. Egypt, Judah, Edom, the sons of Ammon, Moab, and all those who dwell in desert who cut the corners of their hair. For all these nations are uncircumcised, and all the house of Israel 
is uncircumcised in heart. This is God's word. Let us pray. Father, as we come to your truth, we need your spirit, Lord, to take these words to apply it to my heart and to the heart of every person that's here. Without you, spirit, preaching has no power at all. You the one that gives it power. You have to take the word and apply it to hearts. For that is your role, Holy Spirit. The preacher is but a man, a fellow beggar beneath the cross. That's all I'm going to ever be. So Holy Spirit, break our hearts. Use the gospel to break our hearts and also to mend our hearts. Show us Jesus anew, Lord, this coming year. And I pray that you, Lord, will be glorified in all that is said today. In your name I pray. Amen. Here in um, Jeremiah 9, the prophet Jeremiah, he grieves for the people of Israel, his, his people. He grieves for them because if, if you read the book of Jeremiah, you know the people of Israel, they, they have hard and stubborn hearts. Very hard and stubborn people. So he grieves for them. But he also grieves because he knows that there's a pending judgment coming to them by God because of their sinful rebellion. And at this point in Israelite history, the people are in open rebellion against him. They're living deceitful lives. You see, they go to worship. They still go to the temple to worship because they love the temple. But outside the temple, the lives that they live are very different. The lives that they live are, are, are very different than what the Lord requires of his people. And so basically they, they offer lip service to the, to the Lord, but the lives that they live outside the temple march to the beat of a different drummer. The lives that they live outside the temple march to a different drummer other than the Lord. That's what they're dealing with. And in Jeremiah 1.16, the Lord tells Jeremiah, I'm going to pronounce judgment on Israel concerning their wickedness, whereby they forsaken me, they have offered sacrifices to other gods, and they have worshipped the work of their own hands. So the Lord raises up Jeremiah for the purpose of go to these people, go to my people. He wants him to call them to repentance for their sin, for these sins. But if you know the book of Jeremiah, do the people repent? Do they own their sin? No, they continue to rebel. They continue to live in their sins. And so the Lord tells them, I'm going to bring judgment. I'm going to bring judgment. As he says in verses 25 and 26, the days are coming. The days are coming when I will punish all those who are circumcised, circumcised madly in the flesh. The Lord is telling Israel that you're just like your pagan neighbors. Yes, you may be circumcised in the flesh, but your heart, your heart is just like their heart. No difference. Yes, you have the mark of the covenant, but your heart is no different than those who worship false gods. And so he wants them to repent of that heart sin, but they refuse to repent. They refuse to acknowledge it. And so they forsake him, and they worship other gods, and they worship the works of their own hands. They even practice deceit and injustice and immorality. In chapter 9, verses 5 and 6, the Lord, he says, Everyone deceives his neighbor. No one speaks truth. They have taught their tongues to speak lies. 
and they are weary themselves committing iniquity. They weary themselves committing iniquity, heaping oppression upon oppression, deceit upon deceit. They refuse to know me, declares the Lord. Think about what he's saying. He's not talking to the pagan nations. He's talking to Israelites. They refuse to know me, declares the Lord. What about us? What about me? What about you? It's, it's easy, I know, for me to read through the Old Testament and think, man, those Israelites, man, they had issues. And, we, and I look down on them because I think I would have done better. And so we look down upon their rebellion. We preach sermons about their rebellion. We call them out for their sins. And yet we fail to see, even in our modern times, we are no better and we are no different. Ours may smell and look different, but it's still the same in the eyes of the Lord. I truly believe that Christians who live in a first world country like ours, we have a tendency to live life as if we only need a little piece of Jesus. Only a little piece of Jesus. Just enough for him to get out of the trouble. Just a breadcrumb of Jesus. It's those people in the third world country who need a lot of Jesus because they don't have what we have. So they need a lot of Jesus. But because of where we are, because of the conveniences that we have, we can live life as if I only need a little Jesus. Because I got everything else I need. I just need Jesus. It's a breadcrumb of him. That's it. It's those people who need a lot of him. None of us will ever say this. But our lifestyle speaks for us. Our lifestyle speaks for us. The way we live our life shows our true allegiance, shows who we truly believe in. It shows us our true Savior by the way we live our life, the way I live my life. Ask yourself, reflect over this past year, ask yourself this question, these questions. For whom did I live to know in 2014? For whom did I live to know? For whom did I live to enjoy? For whom did I live to glorify? Ask yourself those questions. Reflect over your life. Let the slideshow go. For whom did I live to know? For whom did I live to enjoy? And for whom did I live to glorify? Was it truly Jesus or self? It can only be one. For Jesus Ourself. Who's on the throne? Our problem, my problem, your problem is that we love Jesus far less than we profess. We do. We sing songs about loving him, but we love him far less than we profess each week. And we love our life in this world far more than we will ever admit. We love being Americans more so than we love being Christians at times. I'll go ahead and confess mine. I'll confess mine. I love being a Christian in America. You see, very different than just being a Christian. Do I want to be a Christian over there? Because over there, it ain't easy. Who do we love? Who do we truly love? Yes, we forsake him. Yes, we too worship other gods. And yes, we too worship the work of our own hands. We sing songs, hymns about heaven, about Jesus. But what song does our lifestyle sing? 
What song does our lifestyle sing? Is it Jesus? Or do our lifestyle march to a different drama? And we know the dramas in American culture. Consumerism, materialism, nationalism. I'm always the victim in liberal or conservative politics. Those are the dramas that we have marched our life to. Which one owns you? Which one is your savior? Which one is really your God? And please know that most of the time in those areas, we are no different than our pagan neighbors, and they see it. You have the same values I have. <laughs> What's the difference between you and me? You worship the same things I worship. Are there any, or is there a difference? In our hearts, is there a difference? In Jeremiah 2.13, the Lord gives two word pictures to illustrate his faithfulness and, and to his people's constant rebellion. He says, for my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and have built out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. A fountain is a, is, a, is, a, is a natural spring of water. It's the source that water flows from. And so the Lord God says, I am the source of living water. I'm the fountain of living water. And yet my people reject me. They reject me and go out and build their own systems of water. They go out and try to find salvation in their own way. But what he says about these systems is that they're broken. <laughs> they can't hold water. So what that means is you're going to always have to put water in it. So again, over the past year, what's your broken system? And please know, if it was broken in 2014, guess what's going to happen in 2015? It's still going to be broken. It still can't hold water. Again, for whom did you live to know? Whom did you live to enjoy? For whom did you live to glorify? These broken systems, Jeremiah 9, 23 speaks of some of them. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, let not the mighty man boast in his might, and let not the rich man boast in his riches. This boasting here is, is not out of reverence for Yahweh. It's in opposition to him. Such boasting flows from our pride, and its intent is to benefit self. What gets in the way of our faith is us, our pride, self, righteousness. It's the person we see in the mirror every day that gets in the way. It's self. Refusing to die to self. A wise man who boasts in his wisdom, that's a broken system. A mighty man who boasts in his strength, that's a broken system. A rich man who boasts in his riches, is a broken system. They will not hold water, no matter how much water you put in it. No matter how much. And notice what the Lord doesn't say. He doesn't say there's anything wrong with being wise and mighty and rich. What he says is don't let them be what control your life. Don't let these be the things that become your savior. Don't let your life march to those drums. March to Jesus. All of our sins in the area of materialism, consumerism, nationalism, victim mindset, liberal and conservative politics comes from boasting in self. Pride. Because at the end of the day, what we all really care about is number one. 
ourselves. That's what we care about. But the cross, the gospel says, you got to get beyond that. Beyond that. And so, you can duct tape these things, you can put crazy glue on them, but they're still going to break. They're still not going to hold water. So what we need is not just a resolution to be a better person. You need a lifetime resolution. That is to know Jesus. To grow in knowing him more. Psalm 34, 2 says, My soul makes its boast in the Lord. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. What do you boast in? Do you, have you boasted in the Lord? Do you know him and understand him? That's what the Lord calls you to boast in. Let him who boasts boast in me that he knows and understands me, the Lord. What does it mean to understand the Lord? It means you can apprehend him, you have insight in who he is to the point that you believe in him and you trust in him. And to know him is not just having knowledge of him, it's, it's knowing him to the point of you put your trust in him. You depend upon him, you rest in him. It is faith. That's what he's talking about. It's faith. Not just intellectual knowledge. It's faith. It's resting, trusting, depending on him alone. The text says that you know and understand him, that he is a God who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. That's what our God practices. And that's what he wants his people to practice. Loving kindness because he's merciful, he's kind, he's loyal. He practices justice because he's just and completely sovereign. And he's righteous because he's completely holy and righteous. As 1 John 1 says, God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. Do you know him in saving faith? Or do you just have knowledge of him? Have you rested in him? Have you come to him? You see, God is the fountain of living water, and Jesus is the only system that can hold that water. The only one is Jesus. And Jesus is not broken. You have to come to Jesus for that water. And have you came to him? Will you come to him? See, none of the other things that you worship, none of the other false gods that you worship, died for your sins. None of them. They ain't a person here in this world that would die for your sins. Jesus did. And remember, he died for you while you were enemy. That makes it that takes on a whole different perspective. There's only one true redeemer, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus tells Nicodemus, Oh, this one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And being born again means a person has been given a new heart, a circumcised heart, the type of heart that he talks about in verses 25 and 26 that the people don't have. A circumcised heart is a heart that has been regenerated by the Holy Spirit. That means the Spirit has given it life. It's a heart that receives Jesus in faith. It's a heart that acknowledges its sin before the Lord. It's a heart that strives to, to live in faith. Live to know Jesus more. It's a heart that never stops wanting to be closer to Jesus. Never stops wanting to be closer to Jesus. 
to heart, they continue to drink from the fountain. Please understand that when you come to faith in Jesus, you don't stop believing in Jesus at that moment. You, you, you don't stop there. You continue to believe. You continue to have faith in him. You continue to trust him. You continue to depend upon him. And you have to know that in our culture, there are things that will pull you away from that. It's so easy not to trust Jesus in our culture. Because there's other things that can be good saviors for us in this life. And they will be always pulling you away from him to them. And the enemy will use them to pull you away. No, believe in that. No, you need to live for this. No, this can do it. What did, God, what did this serpent do to say to Eve? Did God really say? Did God really say? And he will come. He will use these things against you. Believers in the first world country, we can't deceive ourselves into thinking we only need breadcrumbs of Jesus. Because we have everything else we need. You need him as much today as you did the day you first believed. You do. And I do. It's a lie to think you're going to get to a place where you need less of Jesus. I don't care how successful you are or how much money you have or, how much, or whatever you strive to be. You ain't ever going to need breadcrumbs of Jesus. You're going to need all of him. At every moment, at every time, until the day you cross over to glory. You're going to need all of him. Remember the quote at the beginning of the service. Victory begins with the name of Jesus on our lips, but it will not be consummated until the nature of Jesus is in your heart. That is what the Spirit is doing. That Jesus must be here. Always growing here. And when he is growing here, it will manifest itself into other areas of your life. To, Joe, to, to know Jesus means you know him in faith. Trusting him. Resting in him. Depending on him all the days of your life. So in 2015, long to know him more than you did in 2014. Trusting him more. That should be what you pray about. John Piper says, The news that Christ, the righteous one, died for our sins and rose again triumphantly over all his enemies so that no one, so that now there is no combination for those who believe but only everlasting joy. He says we must always believe that. He says we never, 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 never outgrow our need for the gospel. You ain't ever going to grow up and leave your father's house. You're always going to need it. You will not outgrow your need to know Jesus more. So my prayer for this church, my prayer for myself in the coming year is that we all will strive to know Jesus more in faith. Amen? Amen. All right, let us pray. Father, we don't need a resolution to be a better person. We don't need a resolution to have our life in order. What we need is to know you more, to trust you more, to rest in you more, to depend on you more, Lord. Help us to do that. 
Help us to fight against the, the enemies of our culture that would pull us away from those things. And not only that, but help us to take that message of hope to those around us who don't have that. To do our neighbors who don't have it. There are neighbors who don't know Jesus. That's what they need, Lord. They need a real Savior who saves them from real sins. Not someone who just stuck in a page in a theology book, but someone who is real. So, Father, as we go out and, and begin the new year, I pray blessings over this church. I pray blessings over the office of this church. And I pray that you will continue to use this church, Lord, to further your kingdom here. And I pray that you will continue to add to our number those who are saved. And I pray for those you have called out from our body to go to different places, that you will be with them and watch over them, Lord, and lead them to a healthy church. One thing that we should do, Lord, is expect you to do good things in our life despite our circumstances in the upcoming year. And I know and I know that you will. In your son's wonderful name I pray.